Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. Joining me again is Ryan Heim, and I've already talked extensively about him. You know, he's a big powerlifting guy. He's got a bachelor's, a master's. He's certified through the ISSA and all these other things. He is very well versed in the world of powerlifting, and he is going to help us understand how to get a little stronger today. Because if you're like me, you know, something about deadlifting 600 pounds, that, that just sounds really cool. So with that, Ryan, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dan, thanks again for having me. Always, always good to have someone on. Uh, so when it comes to powerlifting, obviously it comes back to the bench press, the squat, the deadlift. So when it comes to these lifts, there's a lot that kind of goes into them, a lot of prep work, a lot of training, that sort of thing. So can you talk a little bit about kind of like what your training started as and how it's kind of evolved and shaped over time? <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about my training initially right off the bat we first start lifting it's not good then <laughs> it wasn't good you know this just maybe summer between seventh and eighth grade yep all my buddies you know we play football we wrestle we're like we gotta go to the gym we gotta get big <laughs> and then we would go and we would have you know we would have arm day naturally yep we would have chest day <laughs> shoulder day ab day Yep, <laughs> we would I have to smoke day. those. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe if we didn't run out of days in the week that we that our parents could pick us up from the weight room, <laughs> we would do a little bit of leg leg work. Really? Um, wow, that's impressive. I know, I know. <laughs> so it wasn't good. Um, that's kind of how I started. Um, then I got to college, and uh, we had a football coach, um, Don Burton. Mm -hmm. who became our our uh, football strength and conditioning coach and uh his his programming was it was it was pretty good i thought um as a whole and i learned learned a lot from him you know he would kind of cycle through you know hypertrophy strength power phases um yeah. which up until that point no one had ever taught me and <laughs> i had never seen and <laughs> and I, I did i got stronger than what i was now i wasn't very strong to begin with but <laughs> granted he had kind of a, a clean slate there but I did get stronger and I learned a lot from what he was doing and um following year I kind of got out of football and got into my own training did more research you know I learned learned more that what he was doing was actually pretty again pretty good <laughs> um he had some pretty good things that we were doing and uh I kind of just build off of that what he had what he had taught us and did my own research and kind of got into the more powerlifting style training um which i think even if you're not trying to push yourself to some crazy heights like even if you don't want to deadlift 800 pounds you know powerlifting style training is just beneficial um in general <clears throat> definitely i know you were a big 531 guy there for a while there weren't you yeah i ran that's that was kind of my first, my first go around at powerlifting was running five, three, one. And I ran that for maybe even a whole year. It might've been a whole year. I ran it for a long time. I know you were always in there. Um, still five, three, one. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's just, there's a lot of variations with five, three, one that you can add in there. Yep. Um, but it's just the basic five, three, one program. It's, it's really good. If you're, you know, if you're just starting out, it kind of, 
doesn't do much for me anymore at this point. But <laughs> if you're if you're just starting, that's a great place to start, I, in my opinion. Right. Keep it simple. Yeah. And you know. I like to talk about these things like functional training and functional fitness. And these are kind of trending terms lately, it seems. And I think people don't always realize that just getting stronger is probably the most functional thing you can do. And you're getting stronger at things you do every day. I mean, everyone squats down to sit down and stand up. Everyone hinges their hips, you know, gotta, yep. gotta close the car door with your butt. You know, yep. there's movements here that apply to life every single day. Yeah, for sure. I, I, the only, the only one that maybe doesn't fall into that category would be bench press, right? There's probably more, well, more functional, functional things you can do the bench press. Um, it's not terrible, but I, I think the there's squat. a lot of functionality behind having a good, well-developed upper body though, right? Yeah, for, for sure. We can, for, yeah. Recreational Just purposes. Generally, <laughs> we'll call it <laughs> recreational. Um, but yeah, I mean, this squat and deadlift are probably two of the most functional things you can do i mean when we when you say functional like you said those those are kind of trendy terms right now and i think sometimes when people hear functional they're like well well, well what do i do in a day um well I don't, I don't know maybe i gotta cook dinner and i gotta whisk everything together so i should probably hold a whisk and add a weight on top and that's my functional training and, and that's how we came out that with that kind shake of stuff. Weight, actually yes the shake weight <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's what people think of when they hear functional training these days just yep. because like you said it's trendy and uh i, I don't i don't think that's what functional should mean <laughs> um like you said you're you're always squatting you're always hinging at the hips or should be always hinging at the hips to pick something off the ground all right so um, yeah, like you said, they're, 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 they have huge carryover into your everyday life. <clears throat> right. And maybe the exact lift, like maybe the bench press doesn't have the best carryover, but a lot of the accessory movements you do with it might have better carryover. So kind of going into that now going into the bench press, what are your kind of top accessory lifts, so to speak, to build a bigger, stronger bench press? So I've tried all kinds of things because bench presses, bench press is my problem child. Um, <laughs> it just stubborn, doesn't like to go up. So I've done, you know, and the, of course your normal touch and go bench press, I do the pauses because of, you know, powerlifting rules. So get those in there. Board press. I actually like the, the bench block that you just hook it right on the bar. Uh, super nice. I've done Larson press. Um, I've also done some some banded press. I don't don't really play around with too much of uh, like reverse banded or anything like that. Um, I don't haven't done chain. Um, I mean chain bands. You're you're kind of splitting hairs there at that point. But I would say the the board press and the Larson press are probably my two two biggest variations that I've I've been using. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah, those are good variations. And, um, you know, that board press, especially, it's all about the lockout phase, which I think a lot of people underestimate how important the triceps are in the bench press. And uh, a lot of this, too, I think comes back to grip width, too, is some people are very narrow when they're benching and other people are super wide. And I think uh, you tend to be somewhere in the middle, I think, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm about, about in the middle. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, with that, too, I think a lot of people don't quite understand, too, that there's something about just gripping the bar and benching it. Like, obviously, the best way to get better at something is to just do it and do it over and over and over again. 
and right. you know building the leg drive building the core stability building the trunk control and building the ability to just grip the bar because i'm sure you've had instances before where you just squeeze the bar harder and all of a sudden it flies right up yep all of a sudden you're stronger for sure like you said i mean that board press it's good for your lockout right and that's where i normally struggled there you know there weren't too many times that i couldn't get it all get a bar off my chest um unless you know, I try to put some ridiculous weight on there, which I don't normally do because I'm a little bit smarter than that now. But if it's a reasonable weight, I'll get it off my chest. I just can't always lock it out. So the board press really works those triceps. But there's something to be said, too, just for just to holding it. Um, like you said, just just gripping it and benching it. Um, as, as I'm sure, you know, you're a smart guy. There's a lot of neural um, adaptations that need to happen to be able to lift heavy weights. Right. So just we do a board press now. I, maybe I can put 50 pounds more on that board press than I could put on a normal bench press. So, yeah, I'm not taking that 50 pounds through the entire range of motion, but, you know, I have to unrack that 50 extra pounds and I have to stabilize that extra 50 pounds at the top. And I'm at least taking it through the beginning portions of the movement. And that's all, you know, you're making all those neural adaptations there to, to get your body accustomed to holding that 50 extra pounds. And eventually, you know, that's going to carry over and you'll be able to take it through full range of motion. <laughs> right, exactly. And I like how you brought up the neural side of things, because, you know, when your body first picks up a weight and if it's something heavier than it's used to, it kind of freaks out at first. It's like, oh, no, not this, not this. We're not going to do this. But as you get accustomed to it, it starts to feel lighter and lighter and lighter. And I actually like breaking up the lift into your partial ranges. Um Dr. John Jackish, I think his name was, uh, studied a lot of joint health and skeletal health as it related to lifting. And he said, you know, <clears throat> the bottom portion of your rep is your weakest point. That's where your joint stresses are the highest. And you're seven times stronger in the higher ranges. So your end ranges than you are in that bottom portion. So strengthening your strongest area just kind of makes sense or strengthening your weaker area in this case, I'm sorry, makes sense. You're attacking your weaker link and that weaker right. link actually happens to be where you're skeletally the strongest, mm -hmm. which kind of all evens out in the end. Yep. Sure. Um, so with that too, there's definitely a lot more exercises that you can do for the bench besides benching. Obviously you need to have good scapular retraction. So good back strength and back stability and that sort of thing. Is there anything specific that you do for building your back for benching? I mean, I just deadlift. <laughs> you do a lot of deadlifts. But uh, aside from that, we're talking accessory exercise. I just barbell rows. Um, and I guess I'll also throw in occasionally. I, I want to say penley rows, but they're not really penley rows. They're, they're kind of more like a cheat row yep. <laughs> where uh, you kind of load up a whole bunch of weight and partially deadlift it and kind of use some of that deadlift momentum to get a, a nice row of more, a lot more weight than you'd be able to do normally. Um, so uh, barbell row variations, you know, single arm dumbbell rows. And also every, pretty much every day I'll do um, band pull aparts just with the rubber band. Yep. Yeah, in front of you overhead just to I mean that that's twofold you're working on your ability to retract scapulas and also strengthen those those smaller muscles around there right right so you're not a t-bar row guy anymore huh not anymore no 
No, I haven't done I haven't done T virus in a long time. Now I want to though. Now that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what you're gonna do after this, then I guess. You have to go T bar row. All right. Um, so with that too, how do the sets and rep ranges kind of look for a lot of these things? Do you tend to be more high set, mid set, or high rep range, low rep range, kind of a little bit of everything? Uh, normally, if I'm training, you know, I want to get strong right now. Typically, I'm staying five reps or under, typically. Um, sometimes I'll do like a, some like more of like a linear periodization type thing. And I'll start up at 12 um, mm -hmm. just to get a little bit of hypertrophy for a couple weeks. Um, but normally we're getting closer. I'm not doing anything, not doing anything over, over five reps. And, you know, the sets you anywhere, anywhere from two to six, depending on depending on what's going on. There's a lot of variables in there, but yeah, typically, typically five reps are under. <clears throat> right. That makes sense. Um, one thing I forgot to even mention, and you kind of brought it up a little bit there when it comes time to compete, you actually have to pause on the bench press before you press it up. Are there any other major like uh, competition standards with the bench press and that sort of thing? Yeah. So first of all, bench press, you need to maintain your, your three points of contact is what it's called. So uh, your feet are one, they got to stay on the ground. You can't jump your feet around like like a lot of the gym bros do when they're, they're getting hyped up for a heavy rep, right? They bounce their feet. That's a no-no. Um, that'll be three red lights right away. The mm -hmm. uh, second point of contact is going to be your butt. So your butt can't leave, uh, can't leave the bench after you, you know, start your rep. Um, I believe it's okay if you lift your butt. Some people like to lift their butt to unrack. I believe that's all right. But once you, you know, start the rep, your butt has to stay touching the bench. Um, and then number three is going to be your, your head. You can, uh, do the kind of the, the bodybuilder thing where they look up at their chest. <laughs> uh, your back of your head has to stay on the, on the bench as well. <clears throat> and then you have your commands, which are the most annoying in bench press. Um, <laughs> you get your, your, uh, you get your unrack or you unrack it yourself, depending what your, what your preference is. And then you have to hold it there until you get a start command. You get a, the head judge will say begin or bench or something like that. Um, then you can start lowering the bar. You lower it all the way to your chest. And the, then you got to take a pause. Like you said, the pause is dependent on you. Um, there's no time limit. So it just goes based on whether or not you uh, hold the bar motionless. So mm -hmm. if you're wobbling the bar all over the place, you're going to be pausing for a real long time. <laughs> so you got to take it down under control. Um, pause it motionless and then you'll get a bench command mm -hmm. and then you're allowed to press and then at the top is where a lot of people screw up because you know the gym you go through a hard rep you throw it back on the on the rack that's also a no no you have to wait for the rack command so you press the full lockout and you hold it there till the head judge tells you to rack it <clears throat> wow lot lot goes into this simple lift it seems and uh you know, you mentioned the gym bros there. It's always funny because you go to the gym and there's always someone who, you know, their back is extremely arched and their whole range is maybe, you know, five or six inches or, mm -hmm. you know, the feet are coming up. They're flying all over the place on the bench. They can't even keep themselves still. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll call it a one rep max. And it's like, <laughs> you, you know, by what standards is this a one rep max? Yes, you move the weight, but 
you doing it was kind of a circus uh circus yeah. act for lack of a better term <laughs> yeah for sure the feet the feet are though that's the that's the big one people f- fling their feet all over the place when they're bench pressing it's crazy and not only not only are you risking hurt yourself because now you're <laughs> swinging you know everything around under load swinging your spine around under load and um you're, you're just not as not as strong like you're taking all your leg drive out of out of your bench press right now are there any like special shoes that you wear for different lifts or do you go barefoot or are you part of the foot shoe uh jared michaels shout out to uh jared uh, shout out jared michaels <laughs> uh no so for bench i do i wear squat shoes i wear the squat shoes for my squat and my bench press um i like the the little bit of the little bit of the heel um mm-hmm. i feel like when I have that little bit of a heel, you know, I don't have to stretch my legs as far to keep them in contact with the floor. And then because I don't have my legs stretched out as far, I can get a little bit more, more leg drive that way. So I wear my squat shoes there. Makes sense. So kind of going into the squat now that you brought up squat shoes. Uh, that's another one that I think people kind of forget. It's not just, you know, squat it, bounce it, re-rack it. There's also a little bit of a pause there at the bottom i think correct so squat does it doesn't have a pause at the bottom um you do again you have to uh wait for your squat command and then your your mm-hmm. rack command again but um yeah there's no there's actually no pause at the at the bottom of the squat i've actually seen <laughs> at my very first meet um guys and girls were combined basically there was one giant flight of everybody mm-hmm. and it just went on based on who had the you know highest openers um and this poor girl I, I believe it was her first meet as well um she took the first very first squat of the meet and then when everyone's watching and she squatted down and she just sat there and the judges the judges aren't allowed to say anything to you other than the commands so the head judge is just sitting there like hands in the air like <laughs> what are you doing and she's just sitting down there pausing her squat and he's like yeah come on <laughs> and then she she paused so long she didn't end up getting it anyway she couldn't wow. <laughs> she couldn't stand back up with it i felt so bad for her but that's yeah crazy. No, no pause in the squat <laughs> gotcha well that's good advice if anyone ever wants to uh get into uh powerlifting here don't, yeah, pause. don't pause your squat <laughs> but you do have to break parallel is it it's not like a super deep it's just get parallel yeah so it the way it's written up in the rule book is the crease of your hip at your hip joint. So, or the top of your thigh, I should say. So the top of your, your quad muscle, right where it connects to your hip joint, that needs to go below your knee. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different depending on the person. I think sometimes if you have, you know, the big guys have the super big quads and when they squat, they kind of have a dome on top of their leg. I think that helps them get some calls sometimes because, <laughs> you know, it looks like they're deeper just because they have that, you know, that giant quad muscle on top. Um, but yeah, that tech, technically that's the rule. I believe that's the way it's written in most federations rule book is the top of the thigh at the crease of the hip needs to be below the knee. <clears throat> gotcha. Well, that's uh, certainly interesting and it's, always interesting to note that sort of thing because people tend to suck at squatting 
And when you look at squat mobility, you know, some people can't even get close to parallel, you know, they're half repping or three quarter repping. And if you want to, you know, be strong by the rules and, you know, on the USA powerlifting website and all that sort of thing, you kind of have to be able to get to that level of mobility in the first uh, spot. Mm-hmm. And I know you actually yourself have played around a lot with the, squ- with the squat stance, you know, some days you're wider, some days you're more narrow. And mm-hmm. I know that can help a lot because a lot of it comes back to your anatomical build for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah, for sure. And I tell that people when I'm people that I'm coaching, you know, of course we do our, our squat mobility stuff and we work towards that quote unquote ideal squat position. Right. But, um, you know, it kind of, it's gotta, it's gotta be whatever's comfortable. You know, it's, I'd rather, if you got to turn your toes out a little bit and now you can squat to, you know, full depth, why, why are we not doing that? Why, right. why are we going to quarter squat with our toes pointed forward when, you know, we could just turn our toes out a couple degrees and now all of a sudden you can squat the full depth. It, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. So like, you have to at least think about maybe the anatomy there is a little bit different um, and still continue, you know, working mobility. And maybe, maybe in the future we can, that person can do your, your ideal quote unquote ideal squat. But for the time being, I, I don't see that much harm in just turning your toes out a couple degrees. <clears throat> right. No, I definitely agree with you there. It's like, just be able to do the movement and then go from there. Right. Um, so with this too, are you kind of a high bar squat guy or a low bar squat guy? <laughs> I'm going to go right in the middle again. <laughs> um, everything I do is a little bit weird. I feel like, but yeah, I like it. I like it somewhere in the middle. Um, reason being, I know most people, at least in the powerlifting world, prefer the low bar, um, mm-hmm. just because of the way it, it loads your muscles. Um, you load up some bigger, stronger muscles a little bit more, putting the bar low. But I don't like how far you generally have to lean forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel comfortable there. I don't feel strong there. Um, I feel much more comfortable. Um, stacking my shoulders above my hips um, staying a little bit more more upright kind of more what you would see with like uh when you watch the the olympic lifters when they do their squats they're very normally very upright uh, i feel a little bit more comfortable there um but also again you go full high bar and now you're not necessarily loading that weight the most efficient way on your lower body so uh, i kind of do a little bit of a mix and my bars somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Makes sense. So, and I think that just comes back to that point. You have to customize these things to what you're able to do and what you're comfortable doing is, you know, if you do low bar squat and you just go, you know, this really isn't for me, then don't bother doing it. You know, right, yeah, no, one, no one's telling you you have to just because, you know, I don't know, pick, pick your insert, your power lifter, um, just because so-and-so <laughs> does, low bar squat that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you have to um you see all kinds of crazy stuff (laughs) right people people switch it up and i mean if if that's if that's where you're strong and you're just strictly talking about powerlifting if that's where you're strong do it (laughs) um so when it comes to building the squat and you said you see all kinds of crazy stuff just trying to strengthen this movement you see all kinds of crazy stuff as well 
Um, you know, there's front squat, back squat, dumbbell squat variations. Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, hack squats and people do them on a machine and with a bar, the zercher squat, the belt squat. Um, I mean, it seems like there's endless variations of this thing. Um, so is there anything that you tend to go to as an accessory, um, you know, both a squat variation and maybe some other lifts? So honestly, I, I don't use very many squat variations. Um, for my squat, I just feel like the the repetition of just squatting over and over and over again is normally it's normally sufficient for mm -hmm. um, me to make gains. Um, I do I will throw in box squat. I yep. like box squat. Um, sometimes you know, especially if you're like coming off an injury, um, sometimes the depth isn't quite there like it used to be. Um, I really like to use box squat there, um, and I don't. You, then I won't use it as like the typical you know, sit on the box and then explode off. I'll use it more as like a, a depth marker. Mm -hmm. So I'll set that box low. Um, well, I'll use, you know, use some video with a couple boxes, see where that, again, where that, the top of the, the thigh at your hip goes below the knee and then use that box and I'll squat, do my squats just until I touch it. You know, I'm not, I'm not shifting any of the weight onto the box. I'm just going until I feel that, that little, uh, that little contact and then we're coming back up. So I really like to use the box for that. Um, I will use it occasionally, you know, like a classic box squat where we're going down, we're sitting and working on that drive out of, out of the bottom. But other than that, I don't, I don't do too many uh, squat variations. I'd love to try some safety bar stuff. I know a lot of people are big fans of that. Mm -hmm. um, as you probably know, I started working out at home now, so I don't have all of the the equipment I might want yet. But, I was uh, going to bring up the home gym at the end there because I know you've been putting a lot into that. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, definitely I have, exciting. Yeah, I do have, I have enough, you know, I have the rack and the bars and the deadlift platform. Um, I just don't have, you know, all the cool, fancy, you know, safety bars and trap bars that I, I would like to have. But one day I'll have them soon. <laughs> right. I'd love to play around with safety bar, but really I just, you know, squat and squat some more <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that um i do remember there was this one time you were like look dan you suck when it comes to training legs and you need to hit legs with me one time and i was like <laughs> okay well i think we did like 15 sets of squats that day and we did like a five by 10, a barbell lunge afterwards. And I remember trying to walk out of there after doing like three or four exercises. I think it was like an excessive amount of squats, five by 10 barbell lunge, some leg curls and like some calf raises or something. <laughs> and my legs were just destroyed afterwards. Yes, um, I, used, I do remember trying not to do that to myself anymore. <laughs> Those are those were the younger days. Not that I'm that old right now, but I've, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> and with that too, it was something about the simple things. Like it was literally four exercises, mm -hmm. but it was just lots of them and they were done, you know, very well and yeah. try and keep that good form over and over and over, you know, that, that was a challenge back then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, my workouts still to this day, they don't, um, I don't do much. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do like three or four exercises and I'm done. I'm out of there. Um, quality over quantity, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't need to be, 
you know, doing 15 exercises every day and mm-hmm. <laughs> smashing everything to see, see the results you're looking for. I think that kind of brings up a amazing side point is a lot of these people are following these like online workout programs they get. And I look at them and they'll bring them to me sometimes in like a consultation. And they're like, you know, what's the, what's the feedback on this? What's the rundown? And I'll look at it and they'll be doing like 12 to 15 different exercises Mm -hmm. and they're doing like two or three sets of each. And I'm like, well, you're clearly not going to get as good at this as you would if you did more of that one movement. Like, you know, they said they want to get stronger at the bench press and it's like, well, then how come you're not barbell benching? Or if you're barbell benching, how come you're only doing two sets of like 20? Yeah. Like the, the program has to match the goals. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And there, there, there can be a place for, you know, workouts like that where you're doing 15 exercises and, um, but <laughs> for most people, you're, you're not in that place, you know, <laughs> uh, you you don't need 15 exercises and do three sets of every exercise if you're you know if you're a a bodybuilder and you're looking you're you're trying to get show ready you might need that kind of volume but they don't just you know hop in from sitting on the couch and or you know they're doing whatever program they're doing they're like i need something new i'm gonna do this like that they they're tapering into that volume you can't just throw that much volume at yourself and expect expect it to work out you know you don't need that again you need <laughs> three or four good exercises done well and you'll see probably better results than you get from some cookie cutter program like that <clears throat> right and um you know there's always exceptions to this like i know a lot of people know i'm a big fan of bobby maximus because he just does more all the time mm-hmm. and uh you know he'll do these thousand burpee challenges or you know all these insane volume type things but the piece people forget is one you know he doesn't do that every day day in and day out and two i've never seen someone take their recovery as seriously as this guy like Mm -hmm. you know it's an hour to two a day in the sauna it's an hour to two a day with like norma tech recovery boots on and you know when lifting is your full-time job you can do that Right. But for most people, that's just not practical. No, no. Most people, you know, they, they'll go, they'll do those 15 exercises and crush themselves. And then they're like, oh, I got to go home. Don't feel like cooking dinner. I'm going to order a pizza. I got to <laughs> wake up and go to work all day tomorrow. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. Like you, right. like you said, guys like that, they can, they can do that. They can get away with that because they have the time and the resources to spend three hours and that night slash the next day just on recovery practices and that's not what most people have (laughs) right and they don't go to the gym and pick up pizza monday right there at the gym either i right (laughs) kills me when people (laughs) are telling me you know they went to the gym and after they were done they got like three slices of pizza i'm like then why did you even go to the gym (laughs) yeah crazy Uh, so taking us into the deadlift here um is this one that you have to pause on i I can't keep the pauses straight myself here. I know you have to obviously pull it and mm-hmm. that's pretty simple, but yeah, is there any more to it? So a little bit. Um, I think deadlift is the, the simplest in terms of commands um, and rules, but there's no, there's no pause per se. You have to, like you said, you have to lift it. <laughs> and then the only command um, for deadlift is a down command. So you have to lift it and then there's not a real pause, but you do have to hold it at the top until they 
say down and the ref will give you a hand signal and a down call and then you can you know return the bar to the ground you can't drop it um you have to you have to keep your hands on the bar um so i guess i shouldn't say you can't drop it you can drop it but you need to do so under control um, <laughs> if you take your hands off the bar that's a missed lift even if you held it got the down command if you let the bar hit the ground without your hands on it now that's a now that's a no-go so that's a not a good way to lose lose a deadlift this actually that happened to uh eddie hall i believe um mm-hmm. and he actually <laughs> broke a world record and then didn't keep his hands on it and they <laughs> did not give it to him uh, wow granted he went back and did it again later but and then beat it by even more when he pulled his 1100 pounds but you gotta keep your hands on the bar <laughs> you don't want to break a world record and take your hands off the bar but yeah no it's and, and in terms of the pull there's a the pull itself there's a couple rules to um you can't hitch in powerlifting which is you see a lot in this the strongman deadlifting where they kind of sit back and set the bar kind of on their quads as they go up that's a no-no um you can't do anything like that and you need to uh get a full lockout at the top so you know shoulders shoulders retracted and if you're just kind of standing up there with your shoulders hunched over with the bar they're not they're not going to give it to you right that makes sense and this is another exercise too i know the setup is huge some people are very conventional some people post pull sumo and we have expressions for the people who pull sumo on what they do (laughs) um where are you in that are you kind of in, in the middle again with your own little thing or so i used to used to pull what would be considered conventional but it was pretty wide stance conventional um like I said, it started having some back problems and I don't know for sure that they were related to, I don't, I don't even think they were related to my deadlift. Um, but when I started having those back problems, um, the conventional deadlifts then were irritating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've since switched to sumo. So I pull, I do pull sumo <laughs> now and I have no, uh, no back pain pulling sumo. So, I mean, I, mean, I know that, uh, there's been other people who've done the same thing. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Syatt, if you're familiar with him, he, he used to compete in powerlifting. And uh, actually, he, he trained at Westside, I believe, for a while. Wow. Um, and he was having problems with his hips and low back when he was pulling conven- conventional and then switched to sumo and it all just disappeared. So um, I've been pulling, pulling sumo for the past year or so now. <clears throat> definitely shifts more of the focus to your glutes and your posterior chain and yeah. off of the back a little bit which i can definitely see is helping yeah, you um, can definitely stay more upright definitely a sumo deadlift <clears throat> awesome stuff there so when it comes to the variations for the deadlift are you kind of strictly straight bar or do you play around with the hex bar or anything i don't i don't do too much actual deadlifting on the uh on the hex bar I will, uh, I will do carries, you know, so farmer's carries on the hex bar. I like those. Um, and there you have a little bit of deadlift work in there as well. So all the same muscle groups. Um, first of all, you have to deadlift it to pick it up and carry it. And then also, you know, you're, you're holding your shoulder blades in a retracted position at the top. <clears throat> so I will use the trap bar for that. Um, as far as as far as the straight, the straight bar, I'll use the, the power bar and then kind of 
the one gym I work would work at has the uh, the actual deadlift bar, which has a little bit more whip to it. And uh, when you use the the deadlift bar, it's definitely definitely a little bit different than than lifting on the uh, on the power bar, just because of that that added uh, flex in the bar. So I'll switch back and forth between those two. Uh, I'd like to use the power bar more towards the beginning of the, the training cycles when I'm not don't have a meet coming up because I feel like you build more strength off the floor with the power bar because mm -hmm. the power bars if you use one of those they they do not bend <laughs> <laughs> so I'll use the, the power bar there and use that for you know again when you're lifting with the power bar it doesn't have that flex so when you start your pull all those plates are coming off the ground at the same time so right. you know right at the beginning of your pull you're holding the 500 pounds or whatever is on the bar so you have to pull that all the way from the floor. So I like to use that just in general training. But then when we get into meat prep, I'll try to switch to the deadlift bar um, because that's what they use. I compete in RPS and they use the actual deadlift bar. Um, and that does have the flex. So it kind of, it can be easier. Kind of depends on the person, right? Because you're getting, you're getting that initial flex in the bar mm -hmm. and uh, let's just i mean if you have a bunch of plates on there you uh, let's say you have six or seven plates on there when you start to pull those inside couple plates those inside two three four plates are going to come off the ground but that fifth or sixth plate is still going to ever so slightly be you know touching the floor yet so right. you don't have necessarily you're not necessarily holding the uh the full amount that's on the bar um if you're super strong off the floor that actually kind of hurts you a little bit, I feel like, because now that that flex is kind of negating your initial momentum off the floor. Yep. And if you're strong off the floor, that's what you're using, that initial momentum to carry you through the lockout. So if you're super strong off the floor, you might not like the deadlift bar. Mm -hmm. But if you're a little bit weaker off the floor, but you have a super strong lockout, you're going to like the deadlift bar because now, by the time you get to lockout position is the first time you're going to be feeling full weight. So um, it's kind of weird, uh, <laughs> especially when you switch from a power bar to the deadlift bar. But again, like I said, in the meets, they use the deadlift bar that I compete in. So I All like right. to switch to that leading up to the meet because it does it does feel different. <clears throat> Definitely. And I didn't really know anything about any of this before i didn't know that there were specific types of deadlift bars and different amounts of gives to it mm -hmm. but you know you explaining it that makes a lot of sense and i can imagine like you said it does make quite a difference to you when you're lifting do you mm -hmm. get all the plates at once or do you get them kind of slowly stacked on over time right um so that's certainly interesting stuff and again it comes back to that individualization customization pieces you're going to be stronger with one than the other naturally and mm -hmm. it's just kind of training around it and addressing the weak points yep i like how you brought up the farmer walks too um because that's that's something i've been adding a lot more into my own training a little more purposefully and you know i'm not gonna be setting a world record for a farmer's carry by any means but you know i do like to play around with some heavier four to five hundred pound weight on a hex bar because one it's on a hex bar even i can pick up four or five hundred pounds on a hex bar yeah. uh and two you're building your grip and like we talked about before the body's tolerance 
to brace and hold heavy loads. So right. when you do go to something like a straight bar deadlift, it's more manageable and you're used to it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You need that. If you, if you, if you've ever tried to lift something heavy without, you know, properly programming and working your way up to it, you like unrack it and you're like, wow, <laughs> this is heavy. And that's something that you just need. You need to, you need to do that. You need to hold heavy things to get used to that. And I mean, that is, that is a strategy that some people do. I've done it um, on bench press or that you just do what are called heavy holds. Um, I've actually had my girlfriend, Jordan, I've had her do it with, um, with squats. Um, you just, you literally, you load up more weight than you can lift. You unrack it and you hold it there. Yep. For, you know, 10, 15 seconds, and then you put it back. Um, no, no reps involved. You're just holding the weight just because there is that, that neural adaptation to just, to just holding that weight. You know, your body doesn't, <laughs> your body doesn't want to do things where it can injure itself. Right. So you need to make it comfortable with that weight. So when, the whole time you're moving it, you can focus on moving it and your body is not subconsciously trying to avoid injury. Um, that's where you get yourself into trouble. You're either not going to lift it or you, you are going to injure yourself because you're shifting in weird ways. Um, so there's just a lot of, a lot of prep work just mentally and neurologically that needs to go into. I agree. <clears throat> Definitely agree. And I like how you bring up the compensation point because uh, in line with uh, what Gray Cook talks about so much in the sports and orthopedic world of injury prevention the body always sacrifices the quality of the movement for quantity. You know, anyone can squat to full range, but it's going to look awful. The back is going to round, the knees might cave in, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important to address those imbalances and issues and just make sure you're strong enough to even be doing these exercises, because if not, you're going to hurt yourself, right. plain and simple. Yep. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. It, it like, it doesn't, especially as you get into higher weights, it doesn't take much of a, of a shift anywhere to, mm -hmm. you know, to hurt something. Um, it can, it can just be, you know, ah, squatting and my one, my one ankle's a little bit sore today. And now all of a sudden you do two reps and your knees on fire and you know, your hip hurts and, and you don't even, you don't even realize you're doing it. So it's just, you need to, that's something you need to be conscious of is just, you need to make sure that every, every rep is the same as the last one, because your body, like you said, it will, it will sacrifice that, that quality, um, just to make sure that you don't drop that weight on yourself and you need to kind of be in control of that. <clears throat> For sure. Definitely. Um, and like we said, this is, you know, something that everyone can do. Anyone can go in and start training and getting stronger but you have to have that quality emphasis. And I'm sure you yourself even take your warmups just as seriously as your heavier lifts. You know, you might start with just benching the bar, but you know, the form of you benching just the bar is not going to be anything different than you benching the bar with 300 pounds. Yep. Yep. And that's um, something you'll see all the best guys do. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. doesn't matter how big and how strong they get. They always, always, always start with an empty bar. Um, mm -hmm. And you, know, I mean, then you end up doing 15 warm-up sets sometimes, depending how strong you are. <laughs> but <laughs> but you should always, always, always start with the bar because now you're um, kind of oiling that movement pattern um, before there's any real risk of injury. <clears throat> right. 
We like that. I, I think it's a concept called greasing the groove, so to speak, or yep. um, at least that's always what I see it referred to anyways. Yep, nope, I've, def I've definitely heard that before as well. So, well, with that, do you have any final thoughts or major takeaways about this and powerlifting in general? Yeah, I, I mean, powerlifting is something I definitely recommend everyone try at least once. Um, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be super crazy like the dude who goes in there and, you know, snorts ammonia and headbutts the bar and is bleeding out of his forehead and then squats 800 pounds. Like you don't, <laughs> that is part of powerlifting forever, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, it's just a good way, a good way to kind of hold yourself accountable. Um, you know, you, when you're training for a powerlifting meet, you have a program and hopefully it's a good program, but you have a program and you need to stick to that because you're training to perform on one day. And it's also, you know, it's a way to kind of challenge yourself um, or that you can, there's a good chance that you can lift weights that you would not have thought was even possible for your body to do. Um, a lot of people will get scared. They're like 400 pounds. That's, that's a lot of like, that's a lot of weight. But if you train properly, like you, you can, you can do a lot of things that you didn't think you could do. And I think that's good for, for most people. So I would just recommend everyone, everyone give it a try. <clears throat> Definitely. And I like how you kind of touched on that mental side of it too. You know, you build yourself up mentally while also building yourself up physically. And, you know, a lot of people, they might try and compensate for that. You know, they'll throw on their knee sleeves and their wrist wraps and they'll massage gun for 10 minutes between sets and they'll throw their mouth guard in and a lifting belt. Um, and it's like, you know, ultimately you don't need all these fancy things. Like this is just you and you are a lot stronger than you realize and it's your chance to prove it to yourself yeah yeah i would argue that you you shouldn't <laughs> use all those things unless you're already to the point where you're you know you're pretty strong like you should be able you should be able to squat without the belt and without the knee knee sleeves and <laughs> like if you can't do that you shouldn't be using the knee sleeves and the belt and all that stuff so that's a whole that could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that in mind for the future. Maybe have you back if you yep. uh, get the time around for it. But yeah, sure. yeah, awesome. Great talking with you today. Awesome having you on the show. And uh, for those listening, again, you can find Ryan and address any and all questions, comments, complaints, and concerns to him at I'm Kind of Strong on Instagram. Can't wait to get some complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'll have a few for you. Yeah. <laughs>